You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards, and Taylor Polendo. Today, our podcast is on defensiveness. It's something that most people really hate to talk about. And I'm not sure what makes us so defensive all of the time, but we're going to explore some of those ideas and think about what defensiveness is, how it shows up in interaction, and discuss strategies for responding non-defensively to criticism. First, let's talk about what defensiveness is. Defensiveness is an everyday term that people use to describe our communication where we defend ourselves or protect ourselves. To play defense is to keep away threats or offenses. We might protect ourselves from personal responsibility, blame, hurt, or even new information. All of us can think of someone we know who is characteristically defensive. And all of us can think of a time when we've been prone to defensiveness ourselves, whether it was in a certain situation or whether it was when a certain topic was brought up. Sometimes we get defensive over little things too, and I'm certainly no different. In our family, we have a dog named Benja. He's a miniature golden retriever. One night, I was watching a movie and eating popcorn, and it was just me and the dog. And I noticed that he was very interested in my popcorn. So I would occasionally throw a piece of popcorn onto the floor for Benja. Well, he loved it, and it became a game. So I would toss a piece of popcorn in a different direction, and he would jump off the couch to get it. Well, a few minutes into this game, my husband walked out of the other room and said, Excuse me, are you feeding my dog popcorn? Immediately, I said, No, of course not. It just jumped out of my mouth, but obviously I was. I just didn't want to admit it. My husband shook his head. And just then, Benja threw up about 15 pieces of popcorn onto my husband's shoe. So I said, I've been framed. The dog is framing me. I'm the victim here. And we both laughed because I was caught red-handed. It's funny how quickly you and I become defensive to protect ourselves, even in silly things like giving the dog popcorn. Side note, I now know not to feed dogs popcorn. That's something I also learned in that interaction. We hear defensiveness come up in in interaction pretty often. It's really familiar to us. We hear people say, like I did, no, I didn't, or no, I wasn't. It wasn't me. We hear defensiveness commonly talked about where people say, it's not my fault, it's your fault. Or someone might even cut someone off saying, I don't want to hear it. But we hear defensiveness probably too much in our world. So let's dig into the theory and think about defensiveness from what we know from research. If you studied defensiveness, you likely know the work of John Gottman. Gottman states that defensiveness is the self-protection in the form of righteous indignation or innocent victimhood in an attempt to ward off a perceived attack. So let's break that down. Righteous indignation is defined as a negative emotional response that's usually anger over mistreatment, insult, or malice of another. Innocent victimhood is the position where you claim you're innocent and that person is attacking you out of nowhere. The key is that one or both of these reactions is that they are used to ward off the perceived attack. It's not so much about your defensive response, but it's what it does. Now, in my experience, I find the most defensive responses come from instances that have what I call a kernel of truth. In other words, there's a little truth to the attack that might in some way be valid. 
think about it from your own point of view. Have you been in the situation where somebody said something and it was possibly a little bit true? Well, that could be that same situation for you where you get defensive because there was a little bit of truth to it. Now think about my story with the dog, far more than a kernel of truth there. Underneath all of this defensiveness is the problem of blame. Why is it that you and I try to find fault so often? Why are we trying to pin entire responsibility on others? Dr. Brene Brown says that blame is defined as discharging discomfort and pain onto another person. And she says it has an inverse relationship with accountability. When you and I assign blame, we are releasing discomfort and pain onto the other person. And Brown says this tendency is the opposite of accountability. It is actively not taking responsibility. So when we're defensive, we're discharging pain and discomfort onto other people. Think about how that's related to our trading comfort for growth challenge. We intentionally try to protect ourselves from discomfort. To be defensive is to protect against bad feelings or the possibility of bad feeling. Defensiveness also cuts off the shared meaning in the conversation. When I say something defensive, it inherently stops the developing communication and common understanding between the parties. I would also add that I believe it affects our thinking. So if I provide a defensive response, I am likely not thinking clearly about the situation. Instead, I am simply playing defense to escape potential pain. So if defensiveness cuts off communication, the key seems to be the opposite. To combat defensiveness, the answer is likely found in exchanging more information, not less. Yes, you heard me. The key to responding non-defensively is wanting to hear more about the situation rather than less. Now, I know this is hard. Certainly when you're feeling attacked, the last thing you want to do is hear more about the attack. However, if you and I are committed to trading comfort for growth, we have to get used to engaging in moments where it's uncomfortable so we can grow. Let's talk about three strategies that we can use to overcome defensiveness. The first one is to lean into asking questions. This is an interesting strategy. Even though it might be counterintuitive, a key is asking more questions in the moment of feeling attacked. Now, those aren't defensive questions to use against other people. They're actual questions to gain information. Ask about the harm. If you and I believe the message received is the one that counts, then we need to ask about the message received. How did that hurt you? What did I say that created this misunderstanding? A second strategy is to ask for a reframe. The Gottman Institute recommends asking the other party to reframe the conversation in order to help it get managed. This is similar to asking for more information, except it's information about the contextual meaning specifically. The Gottman Institute says, and I quote, if your partner is saying something that is triggering, ask them to say it in a different way. Say, I'm feeling defensive when you're saying that. Can you reword your complaint so I can understand your need and explore ways we can meet it? Unquote. Notice their suggestion is that you precede the request with I'm feeling defensive and then follow it by asking for rewording. Now, the third strategy is personally challenging to me, and that's to take responsibility. John Gottman suggests that we take responsibility when we can, and I would agree with his recommendation. Finding places of agreement is important in relationships. Sometimes owning something can bring about growth and healing. One fact to keep in mind is that we all make mistakes. 
And I remember one time my brother approached me when I was frustrated with my kids and their cousins, which were his kids. And he said I was being abrasive in my tone. Not fun to hear. And I remember saying to him, though, I don't want to sound abrasive. And I'm afraid you might be right about how I was coming off. So I went on to say, is there any action I should take to fix this? This question and the taking of responsibility paved a way for the productive conversation to happen between me and my brother. It didn't mean that I wasn't at fault, but we were able to identify some behaviors that weren't working for me in relating to all of the kids. And I had to own it. I had to take responsibility, responsibility for having an abrasive tone. And taking responsibility is very challenging. But if we're committed to healthy relationships, we have to do it. All right. So now it's time to talk defensiveness, ladies. Ah! <laughs> oh, I'm getting defensive just hearing the word. That sounds about right. So how does this show up? Or are we just going to pretend we aren't defensive? <laughs> I don't think I've ever defended myself once. Where's your BS monitor right there? I call BS on that. BS on the whole thing right there. Yeah, I want to hear yours. You want to hear mine? Okay, we want to just jump in? Do it. Okay, so it's amazing to me how when I start preparing for these, like when I'm preparing for the subject that, first of all, is of all the communication subjects, I want to be nothing, like I don't want to associate myself with this because I could not be this, but I am this. And it's amazing that when I prepare for it, of course, it has to be highlighted in my personal life. My lean-ins, if you will, on this, because I, I really appreciated the three things, right? Lean-in, reframing, and taking responsibility. I've been trying to think about that a lot this week. And I had a moment with my significant other where this person started telling me how I was being defensive. I was taking responsibility by cutting him off and going, yeah, I know, I know. I know I'm like that. You don't have to keep telling me. And then it was like, I was, I was going, I'm totally doing this. I'm taking responsibility. Look at me try, <laughs> you know? And then Tommy says, okay, but you keep interrupting me when I try to tell you how I'm feeling. He's like, I still love you, but you need to let me finish. And then it brought me back again to what you were saying earlier, which is that when we cut off, which that was, that was my defensive tactic was to take responsibility, but cut him off at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I realized that that is definitely like withholding development or growth in that relationship because I didn't let him finish what he was feeling. Mm -hmm. So if I were to stop that, then that would just build up over time in him until one day I would hear the end of it, right? Or it would just create distance or whatever it is. It just was funny to me that I was going, I'm going to take responsibility here, but I'm going to stop you from talking. So that's sort of like the thing Gottman was saying about keeping yourself safe from new information. Oh, yeah. The protection thing really resonated with me, the perceived threat. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I couldn't tell if, am I just like that because it's maybe something I've seen or, you know, I'm human, or is it because maybe you are somebody that thinks to yourself, well, if so-and-so is not going to protect me, then I got to protect myself. Like you go into like such this self-preservation mode, but if I'm in a trusting relationship, what am I doing, doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true. It does make sense that you would feel safe in a trusted relationship, but yet you and I don't feel safe in moments. I'm not saying that we aren't safe. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. we perceive it that way. Yeah. So we feel like danger is here. Uh-oh. Yeah. You talked about it showing up when you're preparing. 
I feel like anytime I'm teaching something, it hits me in the face before I'm about to teach it. So yesterday I came home from Costco and I'm coming in and I'm around dinner time. So I'm very focused on getting the oven on and dinner in there. And I've got it all planned out in my mind. So I go walking through the kitchen. I'm all business. And my husband says, is everything okay? And I say, yeah. So I'm already sounding defensive, honestly, in this example. And he said, you seem cold. And I said, you seem cold. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, you're teaching on defensiveness tomorrow. That is so dumb. Try to learn the lesson, teacher. Try, like once in a while, one time in your life, try to learn the lesson. I heard myself say it and I thought, wow, we're crazy. But isn't it weird how you, like in the moment, I totally heard myself, but I couldn't let it go. It's like, nope, I, I'm trying. This is me. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop it. <laughs> you could see me. I did one of these, like, I totally had to realize how my shoulders were up. Like, what am I doing with my body right now? And I had to totally just like drop my shoulders and just go, okay, I'm just going to say it out loud, not even reframing, but talking to myself out loud to this person and say, I'm going to be quiet and listen now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like coaching yourself audibly. Oh yeah. I, I totally am. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't we also do that in third person? Pamela is going to stop saying you're cold because you aren't, and she's going to stop being weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel like what makes it extremely difficult if it's something that you feel you go actively out of your way to not be that way mm. and then you get called on it anyways. Mm. That to me is way more offensive. I mean, it depends on probably who's coming to with the situation, mm -hmm. but if it's something I try so hard to like, oh, I am not this way, or if the person calling you out is that way, but calls you out for the behavior, oh. e that even then I'm like over the roof, my brother calling me out for being late. I'm like, are you kidding me? You like live your life a half an hour late and I'm like the 15, 20 minutes early person. And he called me out one time and I was so, oh, just shut down defensive. Oh, that's so good. So that is a special kind of defensive trigger. Yes. So they're calling you out for a thing you're not even guilty of. Yeah, but maybe I was that one time. Okay. But then it hit me so hard because I live my life by being early. If I say I'm gonna be there, I'll be there and I'll be there early. But then the one time, you know, life gets in your way and you show up late. And a late person told you you were late. Yeah, and a late person is like, wow. He probably, what he did was use one of my lines. Like, it's so disrespectful, you're so selfish or something I probably have told him. Ooh. But th that's another question of mine though. Like, you always do this if they talk in hyperbole. What if it, mm. you know, okay, take responsibility. Sorry, I was late. Mm -hmm. But what if they actually attack mm -hmm. more than just a constructive criticism of maybe an action, but they attack the person? I think it's harder when I get attacked as a person. I actually think both of those things are hard because it's attacking like a virtue of yours being on time and then attacking who you are. Oh, yeah. It's like another level of that same problem. Both are pretty offending. Are those two escalated offenses? And so they get a bigger defensiveness reaction out of us because it's not my virtue. In fact, I hold the opposite virtue. How dare you accuse me of this? So is that, is that okay to defend yourself then? 
<laughs> I know that's what I was thinking. I was like, they're they're not right in attacking my character. That's got to be wrong. That's judgment. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think attacking your character is right. But I do think it explains why we go from zero to a hundred so fast sometimes. Yes. And I'll see myself react like that, and I'm like, what is the matter with you? You're getting like so triggered right now. Part of it is to understand things that are also entirely untrue. Because you can have someone say something mean to you, but you know it's not true. And so there's that. There's having the perspective and saying, you know, people can say things that can bounce off of me. I don't have to be defensive about everything someone says to me. One of the things I was thinking, Taylor, when you were talking about the late example is I thought, so then it would piss you off if someone said you're not a truth teller. Oh, my gosh. Because that's one of your big values, right? Yes, I have to tell the truth. It goes to like who I am and my core values. So yeah, if you attack anything mm -hmm. yeah. that I'm saying as not true, oh, I'm hurt. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but then it's hard to not be defensive about it. I don't know if I get verbally defensive, I shut down. I turn off and rarely if it's someone I'm gonna probably come back to and like have the conversation like with my partner, I'll come back to him and say like, oh, I was feeling this way and I think it's because of this reason that you hit a chord with me and I can come back and talk to that. I think it reminds me kind of like of intention, some of the things we talked about there. But mm -hmm. I don't know if I can do it in the moment. Yeah, I, That'll be a challenge for me. I was thinking about that. I do go into like self-preservation mode and get very quiet. It's like self-preservation, defend, freeze. Hmm. And then I don't know how to get out of that. And that's like the crux for me. Hearing you say lean in and ask more questions everything my body's telling me not to do yeah it's my, it's like be quiet or protect yourself at all cost take responsibility but cut them off in the process <laughs> um yeah but to ask more questions it's like they're like can you rephrase that or like with the reframing or can you tell me more about that sounds terrifying yeah could it be also, I notice I'm not necessarily a verbal processor. And so in f arguments or feeling defensive, I guess, my partner and I differ and I need space and I need to think it through and internalize it. And I need to work that through myself and in my head and then I can come back and talk about it. Yeah. How does someone like me who's an internal processor do that defensively just I guess just practice by asking those questions, reframing. It's kind of interesting to think about, and I hadn't thought about it till you said that, is this notion that I could use those same strategies, but I don't have to use them yet. Hmm. So do I have to ask questions immediately? No. Do I have to reframe immediately? No. Do I have to take responsibility? No. And if I can't do it productively, I shouldn't be doing it anyway, right? Because, hmm. yeah. you know, it's like, why do you say that? Tell me more. Tell me more of that bullshit that you're telling me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me more about your evil lies. <laughs> That's an interesting thing to say for you, Taylor, having the tendency to need that space. You still have the same list of things to do. You just have a different time frame. After you process, then you're able to ask a question about it and lean in and, and ask about it and reframe it and take responsibility Plus, you've had the benefit of thinking through what might be your responsibility versus not. 
yeah, that gives me hope if I can do it later because I know I can do that because normally what I'm getting defensive about is not at all the problem. Mm -hmm. They've triggered something in me that they're calling me something that I feel I am not or, you know. Yeah, like I find that to be true in most of my fights. What we're fighting about is not what we're fighting about. So like whatever the issue is that they're talking about, it's triggered in me some other thing. If they said, oh, you didn't tell me the correct whatever, then I'm taking that. I'm a liar. What? You think I'm, you can't trust me? I'm not an honest person. I've, that just struck me to the core. Oh, yeah. And so I have to then go rethink what actually happened, fix the actual problem that he's talking about or whoever I'm talking with, but then acknowledge what triggered in me was I have a tendency to feel judged in this area or I'm really wounded in this place and yeah. here's why. But it normally takes me a good week to get there. So the challenge is that you have to get there though. Yes. When I hear all these people talk about like, oh, I don't get into trouble or I don't get mix it up with my partner or I don't get into the dirty details, mm. that's where we could get into trouble. Like Meredith was saying earlier, if I have too many times where I'm not gonna get into it and then that builds up in my partner, I could be asking mm -hmm. for some trouble. Yeah. Oh yeah, down the line. I mean, I could feel it in a moment. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be like that. I'm, I'm taking responsibility. I know, I know. But then the person never releases on the other end. They're just gonna constantly be built up and then, ah. Right, because you're saying words, but not actually saying that with your communication. Well, I just realized it connected the reason I did it in that moment that I was giving before from what you said, Taylor, was because I didn't want to be true that I was fully being present, I think, or something. I like got distracted by my phone or something else. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. The real issue was beyond what was going on, right? It was that I didn't want to believe that I wouldn't be present with this person. Hmm. Like, I didn't want to believe that I could be like that, that I was protecting something in myself, which I think goes to the heart of what you were saying earlier. I was protecting myself against a perceived threat that wasn't even there. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's perceived, it is there. Oh, that's true. Right? In my set, in my a threat in my own head, though, not against the actual person that's talking to me. Yeah. To that point, someone can say a regular thing to us that we take defensively. Hmm. Think about my Costco trip. I was super zeroed in, rushing through the kitchen, unloading the groceries, turning on the oven. And he's like, is everything okay? I took that very negatively. Like, no, hmm. nothing's wrong. And all I was doing was making dinner. It wasn't even interesting. So make that defensive. Congratulations, talk doc. <laughs> <laughs> we can make anything defensive. This friend of mine, actually. Are you asking for a friend? Okay. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend of mine has a family member, whatever, whoever they are. And essentially, every whatever, it's about, it's my life. Um, <laughs> If we're in, again, trusting relationships where I hear someone I care about defending themselves and I try to lean in back and go, hey, you don't need to defend yourself to me right now. I mean, I also got to check my own tone, right? But it's just a good image for me to know, like when my partner tells me that they're hearing that, like they're hearing me. So that's what matters, I guess, right? I don't know if that, that image yeah. makes sense in your head. Yeah, it's... Uh... That's an interesting question. How do you also, how do you say things in a way that helps other people around you not get triggered? 
Yeah. Which is an interesting turn on the concept to say, probably it comes down to using more I language than you language. Hmm. So when we say, what's your problem? What are you doing? Why do you have that look on your face? Yeah. Why are you acting like that? Those are all fiery bullets in interpersonal communication. They're different from, I'm worried something's wrong. Or I'm concerned that you're not happy. Or I'm wondering how I can help. Mm -hmm. So my husband could have done that. Wait, the whole thing's his fault, I just realized. The Costco thing? <laughs> Why didn't he say, what can I make for dinner? He had no plan to make dinner. It was all me. How can I help you? <laughs> talk, talk is back. Okay, you figured it out. <laughs> That's an interesting question to say, if defensiveness appears in our relationships more than we want it to appear, or people get more defensive with us, they're hearing us in a blaming way. And if that's the case, maybe the opposite side of that conversation is let's rephrase less blaming, more owning. When I use I language, I take responsibility. So we call I language the language of responsibility, this idea that I would phrase it so that it attributes to me, not to the other person, whatever my meaning is. And if I do that, then I say, I'm feeling, I'm thinking, I'm wondering. And all those are way less defensive producing messages. So we both have to do work to people. Apparently we all have to do work. Here's what I was wondering, and we could each talk about examples from the perspective of the flight attendant, from the perspective of the teacher, from the perspective of someone who helps clients all the time, do you encounter defensive people in your workplace? Yes. I mean, I have to believe it on the flight attendant side, right? Yeah, it's so funny because I'll ask them to do something and then they'll give me their reason why they're not doing it. And I'm like, I don't care why we're not engaging in a conversation you have to follow the rules so you don't get to come back and say like, well, what if I do it this way? Or just give me a minute. No, sorry. You missed the three warnings before. If I'm talking to you, I'm the final warning. So do it now. And I don't care why. I say that, but then in reality, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, thank you so much. Please do it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Still have to sit down. The big one is ladies don't want to put their purse on the floor. Which I'm like, sure, you spend a ton of money, maybe you don't want it where people's feet are, then put it up, but it can't be in your lap and then trip the person next to you as they're trying to escape and get them caught and burned in a plane. So it's kind of important. I don't really think about the caught and burned in a plane part usually when I'm encountering a flight attendant. So I like your attention to context, what you're thinking. Yeah, if you don't wanna save your own life, that's your choice but I'm trying to save the person next to you, their life. That's my whole reasoning. So I feel righteous in my standpoint, besides the fact that it's just a rule and you have to follow it. Normally all of our rules have a big consequence to them. That's why they're there. You just don't really think about it. I was thinking how it shows up in my career and I would say people get more defensive on topics like cheating or plagiarism or something that might mean something bad about you as a person. And so that gets really close to that identity piece. So you can see how defensive responses would be very high to something like that. Luckily, I don't have to have those conversations very often. What about you, Merida? The most obvious ones to me are two subjects. One is talking to, it's just observation, but primarily older men about the need for some type of therapy or counseling, especially if court is ordering it 
right? Mm-hmm. And the strong desire to tell me why they're not crazy, they don't need it. And it's interesting because like I have this thought that's like, okay, if I was in prison for 24 hours, my ass would need therapy. Like, and I'm talking to you after years. Yeah. Let alone whatever else you've gone through in your life, you're just human. But it's interesting to break down the barrier of being defended by whether it's cultural context or just being an adult that, and and I've had women too, I shouldn't just say men, but that want to make sure that I that's working with them that doesn't really know them knows that they're not crazy. I've tried to think of these three examples, like in the reverse, right? With them. Tell me what it means to your family. If you go talk to somebody, it means you need help. The other one that's also pretty obvious to me is when I receive drug tests from people that are positive and then I have to address it with them. And I go, Hey, so do you have any idea why I'm calling you? And they know (laughs) that's like, no, no, no. I'm like, okay, well, you sound a little nervous. Like, and then I'm pretty, pretty direct and we'll tell them, okay, well, I got a positive drug test. Just want to chat with you about it to help you. And I can see why somebody in my position isn't somebody that they want to be vulnerable with. It makes sense. But on the other hand, it's like you're faced with a fact in your face that I have this test and it's positive. To me now, when I hear, hearing you, Taylor, now when I listen, I'll listen with more of an ear, like you were saying, which is, it's almost like this voice in them doesn't want to believe that they've done this. Hmm. And I've heard that from people like, oh my God, how could I be in this position again? Or just kind of beating themselves up, right? So I've tried to adjust my approach even just this week with talking to people, creating stories with them. Like, what does this mean? Oh, what I heard with like the mental illness or, you know, I'm not crazy is when we have a stigma about something or our culture has a stigma. And I think you touched on that. Yeah. Then we as a whole, I think that would go along with like, oh, how could I be that way? I'm not that way. I'm not a drug addict or I'm not Mm -hmm. whatever it is because our whole society has demonized something. Mm -hmm. Then we feel like absolutely we need to defend ourselves. It just stops everything. Yeah. Why is this communication so like blocking of all the other things? To me, it sounds like we've entered fight mode. Walls go up for protection, but also I'm going to respond and fight you. And then, like we said, there's no winners when you're fighting in your relationships. Everyone's just losing at that point. That's right. So then whether we do it in that moment or whether we come back and circle back, let's talk about those three strategies as we're kind of ending the podcast here. Which is your favorite strategy? Which is the one you hate the most? So here's what they are, just to remind everyone ask questions, reframe, take responsibility. I think it's an easy, I don't like the taking responsibility. That sounds awful. Uh, (laughs) But I like reframing because I feel like it's a chance to be vulnerable and say, I'm feeling defensive. Can you help me Mm -hmm. by reframing? Like like putting your hand out, like I need your help and and I'm struggling. I'm feeling defensive. I'm going to put my walls up. So I'd say that's the one I'm most excited to try. Okay, I thought take responsibility this week was going to be the thing that I would want to do, but I was bad at it. But I want that. I want to take responsibility for my actions. I really do. Mm -hmm. But I think that reframing will help me take responsibility 
with a better tone of voice. I'm actually most excited about the asking questions. I'm going to try that. That's going to be my trading comfort. I'm going to get off the couch and try that one because I think that will stop the freeze in me mm-hmm. and stop the the just sensation in my body that tells me that like I need to self-preserve this thing right now. I need to protect against this thing. Because if I start asking questions, then it's it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, which is I'll I'll get more growth and learn more from the person sharing, especially if I trust them, mm-hmm. you know. So I am excited to practice that because I think it will shift that shut down part of my brain. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to pick the reframing also, which is kind of funny because I think I'm pretty good at the other two, asking questions and also taking responsibility. But I think the reframing is my my challenge for myself to trade comfort for growth. This idea that I have to kind of get to the place where I say I'm feeling defensive right now. That kind of admits an emotional response that's not favorable. And it probably paves the way for a good discussion. If I can even start with that and say I'm feeling vulnerable right now or I'm feeling defensive, I think that's the one I need to try. Because too often I, I don't do that. I go somewhere else. That's good. I'd be curious to hear if anyone uh, has examples when they practice this. I'd like to hear from people. Yeah. So email us. This is how it blew up in my face or or this really worked. Yeah, that's right. So email us uh, as you're learning these tools and as you're thinking through these different concepts, be sure to keep in touch with us. What was that website again, Meredith? It is hello at AFAF.com podcast.com. So email us if you have any questions or comments about this topic or some ideas or things you want to hear some shows on. We're so excited to have you with us. And every week we're bringing you these podcasts that we hope help you in your interpersonal communication and how you form really great relationships. Thank you for joining us on Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.